Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for September 26th. 2023, and I am delighted to be with you no matter when you find this. Maybe it'll be September 26, 2023. It'll be posted at 6 a.m., but maybe it'll be 2024 or who knows when. I'm just glad that we have this time together, that the technology exists, and that uh, you are a part of this with me. Um, it's my prayer that the Lord will bless you as a result of this time together. If you are someone that has been with us all along the way or even part of the way, it doesn't take long as a part of this to figure out what we're doing. And that's just chapter by chapter, verse by verse, y'all. And we're making our way through the book of Acts. And we find ourselves today at the end of chapter 11 and moving into chapter 12. Um, where we find ourselves today is coming off of this thing that has happened there. This, again, this big transition point where, um, you find the church expanding beyond just Jews converted into Christianity. And instead, it now involves Gentiles converting to Christianity. We're going to have have to deal with some things, right, um, <clears throat> throughout the New Testament. You see this, where the question becomes, okay, yes, it's clear, Gentiles can become Christians, um, but you'll see in the book of Galatians in particular, there are some that say, oh, yes, yeah, absolutely, come on, plenty of room at the table. Um, but if you're going to be a Christian, you got to be a Jew first. And then you can be a Christian, right? And so there would be arguments over things like dietary laws, over whether or not men had to receive the sign of the old covenant through circumcision. It, all sorts of things were going to happen as a result of this. But for right now, we see incredible things happen. At the end of, of chapter 10, you have Peter with his vision of Cornelius. Chapter 11, you have Peter going back to Jerusalem when at first they were like, hey, whoa, Peter, we've heard about you dining with Gentiles. What's up with that? Um, Peter then talks about how, hey, listen, they received the Holy Spirit like we did. Uh, I baptized them. Who am I to oppose God? In other words, very clearly God is in this. And where we found ourselves yesterday was beginning in verse 19 of Acts chapter 11, where we see that, that the disciples, or excuse me, the apostles send Barnabas. That even though Peter had a vision, right, and, and Peter went to Cornelius, and we see this wonderful thing happening, we see that back when Stephen was martyred for being a Christian, being a follower of Christ, some of those that were scattered went to different places, and they became convicted about sharing the good news with Gentiles as well. As far as we know, they didn't have some type of a vision like Peter did, but nevertheless, they're sharing the truth of the gospel with Gentiles. Gentiles are coming to know the Lord. They end up sending Barnabas in to check out what's going on, and then Barnabas joins in on this thing, right? Because we see something that is a hallmark of real Christianity, and it's this. Real Christians cannot help but be excited about and get involved in the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because if you really believe it's good news, right? If you really believe in the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? Um, if also you love, as you have been commanded to love, that, that God has loved you and therefore you are commanded to love others. The best way to love people is to share with them this truth of Christ that is transformative, right? It, it changes everything. And if you really believe that, you're going to want to be a part of it, okay? 
Um, if you really believe it, you're going to want to help those who are sharing the gospel as well. Not everybody can go be a pastor, very clearly. Not everybody can go be a missionary, no doubt about that. But we can all take our part in, in either going or sending those who goes. We can, who go. We can serve as senders. That's what, um, Frank Hines and one of our elders did this study not too long ago on Sunday nights from a book titled Serving as Senders. That's one of the ways that we can go. In fact, the book of Romans in part is written to the church in Rome by Paul saying, Hey, look, this is the gospel message. This is what I'm going to take. And then he asked those, those series of questions in, in Romans 10. Uh, how are, how's anybody going to believe unless they hear? And how's anybody going to hear unless it's preached? And how's anybody going to preach unless they are sent? Okay. So that's what we find in chapter 11. The, the response to the gospel widening itself to include Gentiles is that Barnabas goes, Barnabas takes part. Now, where we pick up is with the product of this. Not only is evangelism contagious, as I talked about yesterday, as I preached on Sunday morning, we see something else. I mentioned this yesterday, but it's Christianity has wheels, okay? I don't know. I'm sure there's better ways to say it, but what I'm, what I'm getting at is Christianity is not just about some philosophical thing that you store in your noggin in here, right? It's not about just some idea that you subscribe to. No, Christianity Real Christianity has real effect. Real Christianity produces real action. And that's what we'll see today. And then we'll see what happens after. But let's pray and we'll get started. Our Father, thank you so much for your word, for how we can see your hand at work, both in the effect of the gospel on people that come to know you, but also in what you do. Um, with the apostles, in particular Peter, as we see what happens next with him today. Please give us grateful hearts as we consider your many blessings and as we consider the calling that you have for us. And I pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so where we left off yesterday was in verse 26, where we find out that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And yesterday, uh, kind of the devotional application of the whole thing was, you know, there's a reason why these people are called Christians first. And it's because they're the followers of Christ, and being a follower of Christ manifests itself in sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. And as I said yesterday, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be overly terse. Um, I'm not trying to be too matter of fact. But if we are not concerned about sharing Jesus, should we even be calling ourselves Christians? If by definition, a Christian is one who shares Christ. I left that hanging out there. You know, the Apostle Paul is comfortable, you know, pulling the, the pin on a hand grenade and rolling it out to let it blow up all over everybody. I'm comfortable doing that too, but realize that, you know, if I'm pointing at you, I've got three pointing back at me. The application is for me too. Now, that's where we left off. We find out something else is produced by Christianity here. Verse 27, it says, during this time, now it's referring to this movement, all the things that are taking place. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. Now, 
pausing for just a second, time out for just a second. What exactly is going on here? Who exactly is Agabus? You know, there's church tradition stuff that talks about who he was, but the reality is we really don't know, okay? We do know that they are followers of Christ. We do know that they're Gentile, excuse me, that they're Jews that converted to Christianity, and we know that they have the gift of prophecy. That's pretty much it. There are no more specifics given to us here, right? That's all that we get. But what we do get is that he says trouble is coming, and it's coming to the entire Roman world. But the fascinating thing is this. Verse 29, it's not the prophecy, though that is amazing in itself. I'm not, I'm not limiting how amazing this is. But the really amazing thing is what we find out next. We find out the disciples each according to his own ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. All right, now realize where we're at at this point. Saul, remember back in verse 25, Barnabas left the area of Antioch, right? And he ends up going to Tarsus to go and find Saul, right? He gets Saul, he brings him back to Antioch, all right? So they're dealing with Gentiles. Not only do we see the amazement, what I'm getting at is this. Not only do we see this amazing thing happen with Peter, that he has this vision, right? Uh, you know, the animal's coming down on the sheet, and then he's convicted, and he goes into Cornelius's house to eat. Amazing, y'all. Amazing. Not only do we have that, we also have Peter going back to Jerusalem, and when he's questioned about this, he shares the truth of what had happened, and the Jews that are now Christians there say, okay, we're, we're good with this. It's amazing. The Jews are good with Gentiles coming into the faith and, and the fact that there's this intermingling. That's amazing thing, number two. Amazing thing, number three, and, and I'm not even talking about what happened with Peter at Cornelius and all that other stuff, but the amazing thing, number three, is we find out that the gospel has spread to the Gentiles without any sort of vision as far as we know, and then that Barnabas goes, and he joins in on this thing, and more and more Gentiles are coming to the faith. That's amazing thing number four, right? But realize this, and this is a puzzling little section. People wonder, you know, why is this even in there? It's kind of weird. It seems like it doesn't even belong in this chapter. I'll tell you why I think it's in there like this. Y'all, Thus far, we've talked about different things that have happened. And remember, when you consider how much Jews and Gentiles hated each other, how much they loathed one another, the Jews, because the Gentiles had come into the Roman Empire, not only taken over their country, um, Antiochus Epiphanes slaughtered a pig on their altar. He's desecrated the temple, okay? Jews hated Gentiles. But Gentiles, at the same time, knew that Jews considered them unclean, y'all. And it's like, who are you people? Yeah. So there was mutual hatred. And we find all these acts of fellowship coming together. But it culminates in what we've just read. That verse 29, the disciples, each according to his own ability, decided to help for the brother, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Y'all, the end result of this is not just happy, warm feelings inside, okay? The end result of this is not lip service. The end result is that these Gentiles decided to help the Jews living in Judea 
and they even call them brothers. Y'all, there are many ways that we could do this, many ways that we could point to this. But do you realize how powerful the gospel of Jesus Christ really is? Do you realize that the power of the gospel breaks down all sorts of barriers in life, right? I just read this. I did chapel for the homeschool co-op just a little while ago, and I talked about how the world has all sorts of things that seek to separate us. But in reality, in Jesus, we're all one. Quoting from Galatians here, there's no Jew, no Greek, no, no male, no female, no, 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 you know, all these things that we would look at that should separate us. None of those things exist. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. And if you're in Christ, again, like I said already, that has wheels on it. That has motion. It's not just an idea. It results in action. Action as revolutionary as this. And I know you may be saying, okay, well, big deal. Guys, I cannot stress how sharply divided the world was at this time. Um. As I think about the great rivalries throughout history, there really are only a few that come close to even getting where this this separation was between Jew and Gentile um, 2,000 years ago in this part of the world, right? I, I think about the North and the South right, where there's still some very, very sharp feelings about what happened in the war between the states, okay? Even to this day, a lot of them are going away. When you rewrite history books and that sort of thing, all sorts of stuff can happen, and we're not the better for it. But nevertheless, that that division still exists. But America has come back together. I, really, as I think about it, there's only one that I can think of, and that's like the 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 Turkish and the Greek divide. Um, I went to school with a guy, undergrad, and my my major was theology, and he was an older student that that was there, and he was getting a theology degree too. And um, I'm not going to say what his name was. I don't even know if he's living anymore because this was, it's hard to think. I graduated college in 2003. So this has been a while ago, 20 years ago, and he was not young then, but he was Greek. And I'm telling you, in Western civilization and philosophy, every single problem in the world was because of the Turk, okay? Not Turkish people, not plural. He just referred to him as the Turk right? It's kind of like from the 60s, the man, right? And and there was just this deep, deep divide and hatred for Turkish people in this man. And guys, that's the only thing I can think of that might maybe come close. But to see that much hatred just dissolve, that it was there and then it was gone. Only Jesus can do this kind of thing. Only God can do something so incredible. And I think that that's why this little section is in here, to show that the things that the world would pile up, the things that Satan would use to divide us, they ain't nothing when it comes to God. It doesn't matter. And there's hope for us in this as a result. There's, I mean, look at the things that divide us in this world, some of which are sharp. I mean, they are sharp divisions, especially when you get to the biggest religion in the world, or at least in the Western world, which is politics, right? If you're red or blue or purple or green or whatever, it doesn't matter. I mean, that these are the things that make people hate each other, but those are nothing compared to the gospel. The gospel breaks that stuff down. That's why the only hope for our country is Jesus Christ. But I'm getting ahead of myself here, or I'm, I'm trailing too far off. 
Guys, this little section in here, verse 27 through the end of chapter 11, it's not there by mistake. Some say it was tacked on later. No, absolutely not. It's there for a reason. It's there to show the power of the gospel. And at the same time, what we find next goes a long way in showing the power of God at work, that nothing's too big for God. He can intervene in any situation, even one like in chapter 12. And and we'll just get into this, and then I'll, I'll end and we'll pick up here tomorrow. But we leave Antioch at this point, and we go back to Peter, okay? Acts chapter 12, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. We find that James is one of the first of the inner to go, right? Um, and so when he sees, y'all, I got to say this side note, right? If you think that politics have changed in the slightest bit in 2,000 years, wake up and smell the olive branch, okay? I mean, seriously, nothing has changed. Uh, Herod decided to persecute Christianity. He saw that it was pleasing to people, and so he started doing it some more, right? That's all that's going on there, except it worked well with James, and now he's got to go after Peter. Verse 3, when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And it's with that verse that we'll stop. And the reason we'll stop there is because, and feel free to read ahead, right? I mean, you know, spoiler alert, Peter doesn't die. He's not put to the sword, not at this point. But y'all, spoiler alert, this just goes to show the power of God. And not only the power of God, the specific power of God and what God does to intervene in order to grow his church. Again, the things that are set up, even King Herod can't stop it. Doesn't matter. The Lord is going to serve his purpose. But something important is concluded here. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. What we get here is a glimpse of how the Lord works in all of his power and all of his might. He's chosen weak vessels like me, like you, to be the instruments. One of the instruments, of course, is the church praying, lifting up prayers, and it's this divine mystery of God sovereign over all things, and yet he listens to the prayers of his people and he acts in light of them. What's the balance? I don't know. I'm just glad that the Lord has set it up that way. But I'm also glad for the calling that this betrays right? When it comes to the gospel, there's power, but also there's responsibility for you and me. Tomorrow, when we come back together, we will see the power of the gospel on display, the power of God in building his church. We'll see that even though there's four squads of four guards and Peter is going to be sleeping between two guards while he's wrapped up in two chains, and then there's a squadron outside watching over him, none of that stuff matters to God. He's going to work. And I guess the closing devotional thought is, if you've got things going on in your life, there is nothing that God can't work through. There is no situation that God can't redeem for his glory and for your good. Trust in him. It's worth it. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for what we've seen today, that the gospel breaks down the barriers of the world. 
um, that, that Jews and Greeks come together as brothers, that, 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 that the saved and unsaved are redeemed through Christ. Thank you for your love and mercy, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Until then, I hope you have a fabulous day. Take care.